0: What about Europa?
1: Well, Europa's a good place. Actually, there are like seven other places besides Earth that are reachable with our rocket. So, you know, if you did a poll among scientists, what's your favorite place to look for life elsewhere? They probably say Enceladus these days.
0: I'm celibate as well. Um, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please stand and welcome your host for the evening and future president, Demi Obey. I'm going sure to go ahead and cut to the chase. I'm running for president in 2036. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for joining, everybody. We've got 18 live ones in here. Um, as you know, we got the most sophisticated lighting in the house. It's called The Sun. But fitting for this episode, because today we're talking about space, everybody. So why not use the most natural lighting of our solar system, huh? (laughs) So we have the amazing Seth Showstack here today. Yes, and may I say this show is stacked. (laughs) Okay, come on. (laughs) Come on, I'm sorry. But has anybody done that pun for you yet, Seth? I I hope not. What a week! Jeff Bezos launched into space in a very phallic-looking rocket (laughs) for a mission that only lasted 11 minutes, which is no surprise considering Amazon packages come quick. (laughs) So Jeff Bezos took off into space with his younger brother, also an 18-year-old Dutch boy, or man, however you see it, and an 82-year-old Wally Funk. Yes, making it the youngest and oldest person to ever be in space. And I think it was pretty brave of Jeff Bezos to represent all four stages of life of white privilege. (laughs) Speaking of which, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene has been suspended from Twitter after she repeatedly shared vaccine misinformation. And I, for one, am really enjoying their new character limit. (laughs) Ben and Jerry's decided to stop selling ice cream in the occupied Palestinian territory which is taken as a victory by pro-Palestinians because now Israel will be physically occupying less of Palestine by 17,000 pints. (laughs) (laughs) Four pharmaceutical companies agreed to $26 billion in a settlement to end opioid lawsuits this week. Meanwhile, my drug dealer won't return my calls. (laughs)
2: <laughs>
0: speaking of drug dealers dr fauci and Rand paul went head to head in the senate resulting in fauci saying senator paul you don't know what you're talking about and i want to say that officially and then under his breath he said unofficially you a <laughs> <laughs> speaking of covid more than two dozen olympic athletes coaches and officials have tested positive for not marijuana but for covid19 now, I'm not a betting man, but uh, I assume they'll cover the spread. <laughs> All right, everybody, this is going to be a fantastic show. But before we begin with our guest, uh, we have a word from our sponsors. Let's bring it on.
2: Are you filthy? And I'm talking filthy, filthy, dirty, stinky, disgustingly, abhorrently, unnecessary, and
0: infuriatingly
2: wealthy. Well, I am. <laughs> and do you want to make the planet inhabitable again? If so, then space tourism is for you. I mean, why end world hunger or cure cancer or pay teachers, even pay your taxes, when you can touch the troposphere for two minutes? It was three minutes. Uh, it was <laughs> two minutes. No, no, it was three whole minutes. Uh, okay, two minutes, 59.9 seconds. Anyway. <laughs> Space tourism is the next best thing to live in on a hunk of encrusted magma with trees, birds, weather patterns, cultural misappropriation, politics, music, and art, TikTok trends, Instagram stories, Bo Burnham specials, wars, germs, famines, plagues, books, uh, family, while floating around on a big ball of gas in the middle of an infinitely expanding pit of chaos and darkness. It's called Earth, asshole. Uh, shut up, two-minute man. Three- <laughs> <laughs> Minutes. Nah, it was two. Ugh. One to get up, one to get it up and one to come back down. Whatever. That's who what she's said. Oh, yeah. And who is she? <laughs> Mother Earth. And speaking of Earth, let's talk about what space tourism can do for you. Traveling to the top of the world has several exciting benefits. Need a break from your spouse and kids? Go to space. Afraid of, afraid of fascism? Go to space. Afraid of socialism? Go to therapy. A friend of taxes? Mm -hmm. Me too. We can both go to space. (laughs) Mankind was born to explore the cosmos the same way we explore everything else. That's why I want to introduce you to our model. Space exploration is the new gentrification. (laughs) Wait, who, who wrote this? Who wrote this? This isn't, this is not good guys. No, we do not want them to know that we're going to colonize outer space, drain most of its resources because it's mostly black. No, the topic is tourism. Tourism, people, come on, get it together. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, uh, that's why I want you to introduce you to our model. we're going flying because Earth is dying. Oh, come on. All right, uh, but seriously, the future of space exploration is the future of humanity. Space tourism is the first step towards that future, so buy your tickets today. They're out of this world. All right, no, seriously, guys, where... Where are the
0: tickets?
2: Did I leave them on the rocket?
0: Okay, no. All right, give it up for our sponsors, everybody. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. The bar's pretty low putting on these shows for our (coughs) sponsors, we really, will take anything at this point. Um, (laughs) But uh, but no, space travel, space travel is the hot topic. It's the topic uh, of the week and of course, Fittingly, uh, we have an amazing guest. Um, you've probably looked him up by seeing him on our show flyer. Um, he is the founder of the SETI Institute. I'm sorry, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, oh. Fantastic, fantastic. I've already made enough puns of his name, so I don't want to make a fool of myself anymore. But everybody, welcome. Seth Showstack.
1: Go! <laughs> I'm here, Sammy. Lay, lay it on me. Tell, oh. me, tell me what we're going to talk about. Are we going to talk about going to space, whether it's a good idea, whether it's not a good idea? What are we going to talk about?
0: Well, I wanted to earn that question, um, which I have not, which I'm quite a far away from from doing. Uh, first of all, yeah, can we get the spotlight figured out real quick? Uh,
3: well, share
0: spotlight, that? share. Let me just uh, let me see. Spotlight for everyone. Yeah. What's uh, is there a reason why we can't share the spotlight?
3: I'm not sure. It keeps
0: ticking. Well, yeah, that's strange. We normally, it's normally, oh, well, this like keeps kicking. Oh, maybe, maybe Seth has it on a setting or something like that where he doesn't, like it It, does, it won't let. Anyways. <laughs> it's a secret
1: setting if it is.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Is space travel possible, but is Zoom spotlighting even possible? We don't even know that yet. Um, so, I I mean, I, I, I want to get right into it. Uh, do aliens exist, Seth? Yeah, well, we don't know actually, Sammy. I mean, it
1: would be remarkable if they didn't because that would make us, after all, the smartest things in the universe. That seems a little unlikely. The universe is very big. So uh, I, I think that that's all you can say. We haven't found any aliens, so.
0: But you, you did at one point say, uh, I was believing your TEDx talk in 2012, you said, we will find extraterrestrial life in the next 24 years or I'll buy you a cup of coffee.
1: I stand right. by that, yes. Right. I, I,
0: I'm buying a lot of Starbucks stock. Is that anything? C- can I get anything <laughs> off of the Starbucks menu, or just, just drip coffee? Well, given there's going to be like
1: seven billion people behind you in line, I got to limit the choice. <laughs> That's <laughs> kind <laughs> of it.
0: Now, what what made you come up with that figure of 24 years in 2012? Which would well, I? Well,
1: yeah. yeah, it is a total, totally a figment of my imagination. Although maybe it's you know no more valid than that. The point is. What you can do is it's like saying, look, we got this haystack over here and there's a needle in it. And uh, the question is, are some needles in it? How long is it going to take you to find the needle? It only depends on a couple of things. How big is the haystack? Mm. How many needles are in it and how fast are you going through the hay? That, then that would allow you to make a calculation. One thing we don't know is how many societies are out there. But if you just assume that there might be, I don't know, 10,000 inhabited planets in the Milky Way, Way galaxy besides ours, then our technology should find them within two dozen years.
0: jet: easy, and that would be that would be twenty thirty six, something um, like that.
1: Yeah, I, I yes, I try I try to remain suitably nebulous because I really can't afford all that coffee. <laughs>
0: Well, maybe I'll campaign on that because I am running for president in 2036. So that should be my campaign is that we'll have the aliens by the end of the year or free coffee on Seth.
1: Exactly. Now, mind you, I think I said we will find life and we may find life a lot closer by, you know, microbes on Mars or something like that.
0: Sure. Okay. Okay. You set the bar a little low. What about uh, what about Europa?
1: Well, Europa is a good place. Actually, there are like seven other places besides Earth that are reachable with our rockets that could have life, but it's all gonna be life, you need a microscope to see. So that may be disappointing to a lot of people who are used to the kinds of aliens they see on television.
0: <laughs> yes, very disappointing. Uh, now, now, if you could you know, assign probability, or you know, I'm sure you've ranked it in your head or even on paper, but of the places in our solar system, which would you presume are the most likely to be the sources of this life?
1: Well, everybody's favorite inhabited planet in this solar system seems to be Mars. That's been true for almost 200 years. But even people who study Mars are beginning to switch their allegiance to other places. Now, you mentioned Europa. That might be a place. I mean, Europa is just ice on the outside. But on the inside, it's got more water than Earth has, so it might be something down there. But there's also a moon of Saturn called Enceladus, which is very much like Europa. But it uh, turns out that it's a lot easier to find life that might be in your uh, Enceladus's hidden oceans than it would be on Europa. So, you know, if you did a poll among scientists, what's your favorite place to look for life elsewhere? They probably say Enceladus these days.
0: I'm celibate as well. (laughs) <laughs> is, is, is it important that we focus on space? I mean, obviously, you know, you have your opinion on that. But, like, if you were to convince it to people who didn't think it was the case, what would your case be?
1: Well, to begin with, you got to disabuse them of the thought that we're spending enormous amount of resources on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the NASA budget, the entire NASA budget, which includes a lot of aviation and stuff you use all the time. The entire NASA budget is one one thousandth of the federal budget. right? So we don't spend a lot of money on that. But having established that, I would simply say, look at history, you know, and you find that those societies that didn't do any exploration, they disappeared. Classical Egypt, for example, right? the pharaohs, they build a lot of pointy buildings to the west of Cairo there. But, you know, they were eventually taken over by the Romans and even the Greeks because they didn't explore. I think that that's an important thing to do.
0: So you know, if we're, if we're spending that much money on space right now, would you suggest that we need to be spending more, less, same?
1: Well, I mean, I have you know, I've a, a hound in this fight, of course, and I would say, look, let's spend a little more. But the the one good, I mean, you know, you could always say more, less. People give you arguments like, well, we got all these problems right here on Earth, and you know, uh, why why should we spend my tax dollars to go out into space? when people are dying in the streets of hunger, not mm-hmm. in this country, but in yeah. some places in the world. And that's true. But you could have made that argument you know, uh, in, in 1800 and say, you guys are funding with my tax dollars, you're funding this guy Wolfgang Mozart to write music. You know what a waste. I mean, we, we got other things to worry about. We have higher priorities. Well, it turns out from the standpoint of society, uh, you, you, know, you don't want to just deal with the immediate if you do that really in the long term it doesn't work out well
0: it well and also do you do you think that uh do you think that we've already possibly found extraterrestrial life and and may not know about it like what do you think's happening at area 51
1: well they test a lot of airplanes there but mm. uh, all the people that are doing the testing are all uh <laughs> they're all hominids they're all homo sapiens they're all humans uh yeah i mean Look, one-third of the American public believes that the aliens are here visiting Earth, right, and that the government has them freeze-dried and stacked up at Area 51 or some other such locale, but uh, I, I don't believe that. I,
0: I think it, that... Almost, it almost sounds like you, you think the government's too stupid to do that.
1: Well, look, I've worked for the federal government. I had top-secret clearance at one point, and I was never convinced that they could keep secrets. I mean, think of Anita Hill. They kept that secret for two weeks, right? So, I, I, you know, I, there's that point, but it's a much more important point. And that is the entire Earth is being surveilled all the time, right? We have 800 satellites up there that have cameras that are pointed down. They're looking at Earth. You see them on the news at night. You know, here's the weather, whatever. And, of course, the Department of Defense has, you know, things looking at tanks in various parts of the world, whatever they're looking at. You know that on Google Earth you can find your car, right? That gives you some idea of the kind of detail they could see. And they don't see alien spacecraft.
0: Now, and then, of course, the argument is made that, you know, we don't know about the aliens, but the aliens, they may know about us. What do you what do you think uh, the likelihood of that is?
1: Well, I mean, if they you know, if they fund astronomy a little better than we do, then they will know that there's life on Earth because there's all this oxygen in the atmosphere. I don't know where you're sitting there, Sammy, but 20 percent of the air in that room is oxygen. OK, there's all this oxygen, that oxygen. You know, the, the Earth wasn't born with all that oxygen. That oxygen right. just comes. It's the, if you will, the exhaust product of plants. Okay, so it's been in the atmosphere for well over two billion years. So any any uh, aliens who have a good astronomy effort, they'll know that there's photosynthesis on I'm Earth. And that if they come to visit us, though.
0: Well, I, I will correct you. Thirty percent of the air in here is weed smoke, and I do think the aliens are watching us. <laughs> yeah, well, people like that idea because you
1: know uh, they for the first. Fifteen years of their life, there was somebody watching them <laughs> <They're> called parents.
0: <laughs> you know. So parents are the original aliens. I like yeah, that. I think so. So what do you make of of what's going on right now with this, this the, you know, our introduction to commercial flight with Bezos and Branson? What, what, what is your take on all this?
1: Yeah, no, I think it's a good thing, frankly. I mean, the, the usual analogy that's made here, I, I, it's not it's not nuts, is to say, look, what was the history of aviation? I mean, everybody knows about the Wright brothers at Kitty Hawk, 1903, I believe it was. They fly a plane around for 30 seconds. But within two years, three years, they're selling planes to the U.S. Army. That's where the market was, the military. Okay. But, you know, if if, if it just stayed the province of the military or the government, the way, in, in a way, space exploration has been, you know, it's been the the purview of NASA and other space agencies, if you keep it like that, it's always going to be very, very expensive, right? And the whole point with aviation was, well, as soon as you began selling planes to other people, you had civilian uses for aviation, then the costs became much, much lower. So I think the same, I mean, it's not a perfect analogy, but the same is true for space, right? I mean, everybody can say, oh, I don't want to go into space. There's nothing in space. But, you know, those people haven't looked at how much longer we can continue to, for example, mine the earth for zinc or copper or a whole bunch of other stuff that we really need and and run out of it. I mean, so either there's going to be just terrible social situations developing or we've got to get some of this stuff from beyond the earth. And it's not all that hard.
0: Now, uh, you know, in the scenario that, you know, it comes a time where we have to decide, uh, do we stay or do we go? Would, would you be on camp go? Uh,
1: well, I don't think it's going to come to that. We don't have to go, but you do have to bring stuff in. Uh, yeah, but personally, I think I would go. Yeah, I'd go. I mean, you know, I, Branson and Bezos have gotten a lot of the two B's, the two B's are not two B's, that these two B's have gone into space. Right. And uh, people say, oh, this is you know, these are a the rich guys, you know, showing off. Well, I'm sure there's some of that. But on the other hand, you got to admire the fact that they're willing to get in their own hardware, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. many tons of explosive materials. They're sitting on top of it, and they let it, you know, they let them light the fuse. I think that that's not a, such a bad idea.
0: Nope. So there's no possible way you think it was staged?
1: <laughs> well, there was. a, a Yeah, apparently there's. Soundstage somewhere in Arizona where they did indeed stage all.
0: <laughs> what do you think, the, as a side note, what do you think the likelihood that the moon landing was staged? A zero. But remember, I mean, <laughs> come on. NASA had, at
1: that time, NASA had 50,000 employees working on the Apollo program. 50,000. Yeah, yeah. I can hardly believe that all of them are going to their grave without saying, my gosh, it was all staged. I mean, I've spoken with a lot of the Apollo astronauts, people who've walked on the moon. And uh, I, maybe you saw that video clip, right, where some uh, guerrilla videographers grabbed Buzz Aldrin when he came out of a building somewhere and started saying, uh, "You didn't go to the moon; that was all stage. And he hauled off and socked him, which was exactly what they wanted because that, that's what made the video, of course.
0: Yeah, that's how he knew he wasn't an actor. Actors don't yeah. fight. <laughs> um, but 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 you know, you see, you have a you have a pretty long uh, relationship with NASA. Um, are, are you are you currently working for or with NASA? Well, we you know a lot of the
1: scientists that I work with are funded by NASA. Yeah, uh, I was sent through grad school with NASA money, mm-hmm. and I and I'm you know I'm old enough to remember the the Sputnik launch, right? When yeah. the, the Russians sent this thing up in 1957. There the was vaccine, a right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> well. But <laughs> America realized that there was this missile gap, right? That was the thing. Everybody were talking about the, the missile gap, mind the missile gap. And, indeed, uh, that resulted in better science education in the schools of the U.S., at least for about 10, 15 years. And I, I benefited from that.
0: Wow. Yeah. Uh, now, um do you, so So obviously you have a lot of respect for NASA, you, NASA did a lot for you. Do you have any critiques of NASA?
1: Well, I mean, look, it's easy to crit- uh, criticize all sorts of things. It's like the post office, right? <laughs> you know, you, you can criticize the post office all you want, but it was rather interesting to read a letter to the editor in the New York Times, maybe 10 years ago, by somebody who came from a different part of the world. And he said, the thing about America that impressed him the most was the fact that the postal service worked, that (laughs) you could order something and the package would actually get to you. It wouldn't be, you know, the result of a heist uh, from the mail carriers. It wouldn't be. It was an honest service. That's the way I look at NASA. Sure, they make mistakes, but they attract some also some very, very good people. And they're basically, you know, competent and honest. And that's pretty good.
0: So you're basically saying people who make packages come to your door deserve to be in space. And I guess we did learn that this week.
1: Well, that is, yeah,
0: <laughs> m- might exhaust them. Yes. Well, so, so, you know, NASA, NASA is, you know, a highly revered organization. It, it, would you say that there's some country in this world that has the best space program or, you know, would you pick and choose certain elements? If so, you know, who well, has the best what?
1: Yeah, there are a lot of countries involved. Obviously, the Europeans have their own uh, European Space Agency. And it's also very good. It's very good. Now, you know, the entire population of Europe, at least the part that's involved in this, is about the same as the U.S. So you could say it's roughly the same size. Uh, And, and of course, in in Asia, I mean, the Japanese have a space agency. The Indians have something that just, you know, went to Mars uh, in the Middle East. Right. Uh, Was it the United Arab Emirates? I'm not sure. But they also sent something to Mars. So there's space programs all around the world. The uh, ones in Asia are worth looking at. I mean, Japan is already there, but also China is obviously interesting. Mm-hmm. And but if you say, well, what's the best? I mean, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be a
0: little, you know, I, look at the track records. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. The, the U.S. has done
0: done yeah. the most for sure. America number one. America number one. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so, you know, kind of going back to the context of this week and, and the meaning of it all. I mean, the, the one critique that you hear a lot of is is the timing of it. Uh, you know, like, you know, we're still kind of in a pandemic and there's a lot of poverty. Um, and I know you said you, you did acknowledge that critique. Do you think that they could have or should have waited like a year? I'm not sure why. Look, I mean, you, you wait a year. What is the
1: cost of waiting a year? You can say, well, what's the cost of, you know, Blue Origin or SpaceX or or any of these guys, okay, for them, it's a loss, but they're private organizations. They find some way to absorb that loss. But if you say, look, rather than uh, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but you know, when the Europeans began sending ships across the oceans, that changed everything. And, and people say, well, they exploited the natives, which of course is true. But on the other hand, it also led to the end of feudalism in Europe, right? I mean, you know, if you were born in Europe in 1400, Right. You most likely would have the bad luck to be be part of this feudal system, having to work this farm. And you didn't even get the profits. It went to some guy who owned the farm. That's bad news. Okay. But as soon as there turned out to be a whole bunch of continents on the other side of all that water to the west, well, you could escape that. Right. Most people didn't and most people couldn't, but at least in principle, it was possible. And that's what shook up the the, the world. You know, you get the Renaissance and, you know, not everything that's new is good. But this was good. It was good for Mr. and Mrs. Front Porch.
0: Yeah, I, I like I like that. It's like back in the, in Europe, like these people were living as peasants and and it was yeah. a really horrible thing. And and so the people who could afford to get on the boats were like, peace out, peasants, don't have to see your suffering anymore. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I think I think that was a, that was a, that was a really good point. You don't hear that point a lot. Uh, but, um, kind of, kind of going back to the idea of, you know, how this applies to now and, uh, space travel. So Branson did it. Uh, Bezos did it. What's, what's Musk, what's Musk going to do? Like what tricks does he have up his sleeve?
1: Well, I, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I only speak to Elon twice a day, so I can't say that <laughs> I really know, but, but one thing that, that he's clearly interested in is setting up a colony on Mars. He wants to put people on Mars. He wants yeah. to sort of bypass the moon, certainly yeah. bypass just putting people in orbit, right? Keep in mind that neither Bezos nor uh, Branson actually went into space. I mean, where does space begin, right? right. That's, a, that's a legitimate question. And there's kind of a definition. It, be, it begins 100 kilometers up, which right. is, you know, a little over 61 miles. And that's where you see these signs that say last gas before right. space. Okay. Right. But why is it 100 kilometers up? It's totally arbitrary. It's, you know, the atmosphere is very thin up there. So they think, OK, that's that's a nice round number. Uh, right. But, you know, yeah, I mean, they they didn't go very far. I right. know that Musk wants to go to Mars and which is a very ambitious thing. Mars is a lot farther away than the moon.
0: Right. Yeah, I heard they just went to the stratosphere in Vegas. Yeah. Um, but uh, but Three but drinks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which there soon will hopefully be on the space flights if it does become like uh, the airlines. Um, yeah, right. and, you, and you, you know, you, you, you when we talked about, you know, potentially moving elsewhere to other planets, you didn't seem too optimistic. But I mean, I mean, in terms of the colonization of Mars, I mean, do you see that as laughable or do you see that as like plausible or realistic thing that we we may do?
1: Well, look, we have you know, we have people living at the South Pole. The South Pole not a great place. Right. I mean, you don't have a lot of outdoor picnics and Mars isn't actually very much better. I mean, you look at the pictures of Mars, you know, our spacecraft show uh, sent back and it kind of looks like Arizona. Right. I mean, without the cacti, but, it, you know, it's <laughs> sort of reddish. Uh, what you don't see is that it's typically minus 50 degrees. Right. I don't remember if that's Fahrenheit or centigrade, but minus 50, it's almost the same. Anyhow, doesn't matter. There's no air you can breathe. There's some air, but it's carbon dioxide. You can't breathe it, right? And there's no, you take a glass of water, you just pour it on the surface of Mars and it immediately turns into vapor, right? So there are no lakes. It's a terrible, terrible place, but you could live in a habitat, you know, an artificial environment. I don't know if that would be uh, good enough for most people, but you're gonna have people doing that. I think that in terms of the future where we'll live in space, it's not on Mars. It's not on the moon. It would be in artificially built habitats or maybe the asteroids. There are proponents for living on an asteroid. I'm not one of them, but there are people who think that's where your future is.
0: <laughs> living on an asteroid. Wow, that does sound rough. Um, let, me, let me ask a few really important questions. First of all, who would win in a fight, Al or ET?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, ET could do things with that little finger of his, right? That, that, I mean, mm-hmm. I never saw Alf do anything except fail to show anything below his belly button.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, can you explain to us what the Fermi paradox is? Yeah, if you really want to hear. The Fermi yeah. paradox, well, it was cooked up by this guy
1: named Fermi, Enrico Fermi. He was an Italian, and American, eventually a physicist, very, very smart guy. He was at the University of Chicago. Anyhow, he was working for a while down in Los Alamos. And this story is somewhat apocryphal, but it's, it's considered to be true. He was having lunch with two other guys, two other physicists, and between two bites of a tuna fish sandwich, he says, so where is everybody? Right. Now, this is something that he could do in his head uh, and probably the other guys at the, the lunch table could too. But what he had done is he said, look, let's assume that there are some aliens out there. The universe is three times as old as the Earth. There are aliens out there that could be literally billions of years more technically advanced than we are. They could have colonized the entire galaxy by now. He had done that little calculation in his head. It's not so hard. And uh, so his question cut right to the chase. So where are they? Why don't we see them everywhere, right? It would be like being in Europe in, in 200 AD, you would see Romans everywhere. So his question was, where is everybody? And the paradox is we think that there's a lot of life in space, but we don't see any life in space. So right. that's the paradox.
0: I see. That makes sense. Um, by the way, was it a Subway tuna sandwich? All right.
1: uh, yeah, I doubt Los Alamos in 1950. <laughs> Maybe.
0: <It was> probably <laughs> Maybe a cafeteria tuna sandwich. Oh, okay. Well, at least it was real tuna. Um, so uh, what was the the wow signal? Or is it the W-O-W signal? Yeah. <laughs> World of Wildlife.
1: No, uh, the WOW <laughs> signal, uh, that was picked up at Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio, uh, back in no 1977. Get it right. Uh, it was, you know, they, they were just looking for signals coming from space. That's, you know, what SETI is often about, trying to eavesdrop on alien transmissions. So they just let this thing run all the time, this radio telescope. It was a big antenna, and, uh, you know, about the size of a football field, something like that. Yeah, one day the 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 astronomer came into the little shack where they kept the equipment and he's going through the printout because in those days everything was printed out from computers. They didn't have, you know, screens and stuff like that. And he found he saw this big signal and he was so impressed. He wrote wow next to it. So it became known as the wow signal. Um, So a lot of people think that, well, we finally found the aliens. The trouble was that signal was never seen again and it was looked for almost immediately a minute later it was looked for and it wasn't found so oh. if you only find the signal once you can say oh yeah, you know, it was the aliens but you know they just went out to lunch after sending that that signal or you know maybe they took a break for some other reason but if you can't find it at least twice it's not science to say it was aliens
0: so 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 then what do you think it was just to- nobody seems to know i mean it, most
1: likely it was uh, something in the equipment uh, could have been, uh, you know, communication satellite sending down some some information, but there really weren't any. I mean, there were some, but there weren't many at that at that time. So nobody seems to know. But to assume that it's aliens, yeah, that's a possibility. But it's just like saying, oh, those things in the Navy videos, those are aliens. You can say it,
0: but oh, so it's kind of like you kind of just said like twice, or it never happened basically. Is that like a song? Uh, Well, yeah, you can say either twice so you can check it out or you don't know what it was. I really need to stop having these one night stands. All right. So if you could tell us something fascinating about science or sorry, about space or, you know, in in your field of work, something fascinating that blows your mind that the public is not readily familiar with, what what would it be?
1: Well, I'm not sure there's anything, but okay. Well, I, I suppose I mean, one of the biggest things we've learned in the past 25, 30 years is how prevalent planets are. When I was a kid, and that was just before the Spanish-American War broke out, when I was a kid, you could go to the Hayden Planetarium in New York, and, uh, you know, they would tell you about how you make planets. They have, There were various theories back then. But nobody knew if there were other planets out there other than the eight or nine depending on your feelings about Pluto, the eight or nine in our own solar system, right? But now, thanks to the work of the last 25 years, we know that planets are as common as phone poles. Well, they're actually a lot more common than phone poles. In our galaxy, there are about a trillion planets. Uh, And we can see two trillion other galaxies, each with a trillion planets. Now, Sammy, I suspect you've already multiplied those numbers together in your head. But the bottom line is there are more planets out there than our grains of sand on all the beaches of the Earth. Wow, that wow. was a yeah. That was a metaphor used by Carl Sagan many years ago. But it's true. It turns out it's true, and so uh, that's you know that that's a that's a, a fact that most people may not know because you know all you have to do is go on the web and you can see all these comments about well we're the only world where there's life or intelligent life or where people have ears that you know stick out horizontally or or anything like that.
0: So, so you, I mean, you could you could also say I, I like the I've heard the grain of sands quote, but you could also just say grains of sands in our desert, and then it would be all yours. Um, so that that is Turn it that into is glass. <laughs> that is I mean that is quite interesting that there that there are that many planets, you know, because growing up we kind of weren't taught that. Um, by the way, first of all, in your opinion, Pluto is it a planet or not?
1: Well, look, that's a semantic question, right? The, the mm-hmm. problem with Pluto is, I mean, you know. I can tell you this, Pluto doesn't care. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the point is, Pluto was an odd planet, even when it was found in 1930, right? Because it was too small, it was very small. It's, you know, it's like the moon, a moon-sized planet. But the real difficulty was that there were some guys down at Caltech who, in the past 15, 20 years, began finding objects beyond Pluto, deeper into space, but still part of our solar system, that were bigger than Pluto. So the question was, what do you do? Do you say, well, uh, okay, now we have 10 planets and then 11 and then 12, or do you say, well, Pluto isn't a planet? And they, they took a vote. This was in Czechoslovakia. They took a vote and decided that Pluto wasn't a planet. It's, it's, like, telling, yeah. it's like saying that your next door neighbor is not you know a homo sapiens. I mean, you can right. say it.
0: right? No, I I personally was very disappointed in that, uh, ruling. Um, but you know, so, so, so there's a lot of planets in our uh, universe and of course, um, or in our galaxy, even as you say, uh, so statistically speaking, the probability of one of them having a, you know, climate temperature range relatively close to ours is somewhat reasonable, Right. That's I mean, yeah, it's
1: very reasonable. Probably, yeah. I mean, the latest estimate, it's hard to, you know, the, the, the data are still sparse. But, uh, you know, you can say now that one out of two or maybe one out of three stars that is something somewhat like the sun has a planet that has more or less the same average temperature as the Earth. Doesn't mean that they have water or, you know, an atmosphere and life and any of that stuff. But doggone it, with that many planets, They can't all be bad. It's like buying a trillion lottery tickets. Sure. Most of them are bad, but they're not all bad. Right. If you buy a trillion of them, some of them are going to be winners. Same deal.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, OK, so that that is that is quite interesting. Um, Now, uh, is there any like um, misconceptions, like general misconceptions that people have about space, travel, extraterrestrials that you think could be cleared up?
1: Well, I don't know if it's, you know, a, it puts you in the position of being a kind of a Debbie Downer. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you're a fan of, you know, sci-fi movies, right, normally what you see when it comes to aliens, uh, you know, there are a couple of good aliens. E.T. was a good alien. you know. And I, there have been a couple other films where the aliens were basically here to help. I don't know why, but they came here to help. But most of them, you know, they come to Earth mostly just to flatten our cities, beginning with Los Angeles. Uh, you know, they do that. They're trying to destroy everything. And we sent a whole bunch of Top Gun fighters against them. And eventually, you know, by the last title, we win. Now, that's that's nice, but it's totally wishful thinking. If they have the technology to come here, right, whatever they want to do, they can do it. Yeah. Right? I mean, th- th- this movie scenario is like, assuming that the US Air Force could take on the Neanderthals and the Neanderthals by being really brave guys could win. They're not gonna win, right? It's the same story in these sci-fi films. I mean, you know, okay, you want the humans to win, but it's not gonna happen that way. About the best thing that the humans could do if we actually ever were invaded is to uh, try and negotiate.
0: Do you think we're good at that? <laughs> so I, I, I You have to ask the aliens. I mean. If, <laughs>
1: If they spare Earth, maybe we're good at it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. Every uh, single movie is like, they they come like, a, you know, millions of miles and like, oops, we forgot the guns. Yeah. Um, so, okay, great. Uh, are you uh, up for playing a, a little game that we uh, made for you?
1: Well, I yeah, I'm not good at games, but uh, I am bad at them. So let's try
0: it. Let's do it. All right. Let's bring on our uh, resident game show host, host Keith. everybody. Come on now. Keith. Also yeah. our DJ. DJ and game show host.
3: <laughs> um, I don't know if I should spotlight myself because of the difficulties we are yeah, having. No,
0: it's, yeah, we're, I think we're good like this. It's fine. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well,
3: I am going to uh, pull this up for you all. Give me one second. Steph, how are you? I don't know if you can see me, but how are you doing? Alien versus Redditor. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. that is that is where we're going to play. So uh, basically, uh, the, you have to determine whether, uh, I'll give you a clue, and you have to determine whether this alien uh, is from a movie or if this is an, an experience uh, from a human who's, who, uh, who has claimed this happened to them on Reddit. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, okay. So... I mean, either it's a movie alien or it's a Reddit claim alien. Is that it? Yes, yes. Thank you.
0: Which are both very realistic. I just want to add. Yeah, I
1: mean, <laughs> it's hard to choose.
0: Who's all this right. guy's
1: dentist? That's. <laughs> hey, and by the way, have you ever noticed that all the aliens in the movies have
0: a lot of mucus? A lot of it. Yeah. Yes,
1: they do. I, I think it. You know, maybe it's allergies. Yeah, I mean, they must have allergies. some
0: kind of yeah food allergy that they need yeah. to deal with. I think we could. We have some nutritionists here that could help them out. Maybe that will help <laughs> with the negotiation. Yeah.
3: All right. First one. Uh, this alien tried to eat my cat.
1: Yeah, I've gotten letters from people who claim that their dogs are aliens. Hmm. Um, I th- I'm going to say that's a Reddit. Sammy, do you have a
3: guess?
0: Um... I, I'm going to say that's a movie. It's a very cinematic, I mean, you know, cats are very cinematic creatures and, and, uh, you know, can make good points about who's a hero and who's not. Who's an, but they who's can't act. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, like you were saying, we make the aliens seem like such bad guys. I mean, a classic idea would just be make them try to get a cat and fail. So I'm which character. Which do I have to guess which character? You can. Um, I'm going to say all of them. I'm going to say every alien movie, they tried to eat a cat and failed.
3: All right. This is actually Alf.
0: (laughs) He ate somebody's cat? He tried. He tried. He
3: tried. He tried. tried.
1: Okay. Lost that one.
3: (laughs) I was impregnated by an
1: alien. Well, I have seen that in movies, so I'm going to say that
0: was a movie. Yeah, wasn't that the premise of a whole TV show?
1: I'm not so sure that
0: it it was true that in the UK,
1: you could uh, buy insurance against being impregnated by an alien. It was a one million dollar policy. It was Lords of London, actually. And, uh, you know, you had to pay the premium. But then if you could prove that you were impregnated by an alien, they would give you, uh,
0: you know, a million dollars might be worth it yeah i'm gonna start selling that for cheaper
1: yeah well they would they would would through the offer after about five years too many impersonators hmm. well,
3: uh this is actually a redditor um <laughs> yes, someone actually claimed that they were impregnated by an alien um so but it is a movie, I believe that is some sort of cinema that that's that's about that,
1: yeah. All right, that Doesn't make sense given that the aliens probably don't even have DNA, but.
3: Yeah. Yes. Do you think they have uh, 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 sexual reproductive systems
1: or? Well, there's a lot of advantages to sexual reproduction actually, if the, the name of the game is to survive in a Darwinian world. It, uh, right. It
0: has advantages. Right, I mean, given all the species on this planet and that only like a, like a couple of them have sex for pleasure, like what is the likelihood that aliens are gonna like come here and actually be? horny anyways <laughs> if they're rhinos yeah yeah uh all
3: right our next one <laughs> an alien put a satellite Zero for What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean what There's story is that not in <laughs> like yeah rear window i don't know
1: i think that that's uh i think that's got to be on reddit
3: that is actually on South Park. That was... Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs>
1: okay, zero for three. You said you were bad at game, so... Well, I, I didn't mean to prove it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. An alien ate my Reese's Pieces pieces.
1: Yeah, well, wasn't that E.T.?
3: Correct. Oh. That was E.T. <laughs> well, well,
1: you know, I... Okay, was it not the case that originally they had planned to use M&M's in the picture, but Reese's Pieces was willing to pay some money, I think? That is
3: exactly right. Is
1: that, that is true? Exactly yeah.
3: right. I, I learned that yesterday, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is correct. That's remarkable. Wow. All right. Aliens abducted cheerleader.
1: Man, I'm sure I saw that picture in my... My youth. I'm gonna say that was a movie.
3: That was a redditor. <laughs> that was a redditor.
1: Hmm. Well, one for four or five.
3: Yeah, you got one though. You got one. Got one. <laughs> aliens cause someone to develop sleep paralysis.
1: Well, you know, two percent of the American public, according to polls, claim that they've been abducted by aliens. And the usual explanation for that, it's been looked into to some degree, is something called sleep paralysis. So this is a real phenomenon. You know, you're half awake and you think aliens are standing around your bed. Um, but I'm going to say that's Reddit because it sounds like they, you know, co-opted that story.
3: You would be correct. That is definitely a Redditor. So you got to. Uh, I have to. I'm allergic to my own planet. Wow, <laughs> uh,
1: that sounds like a clever comment on Reddit. Yeah, I agree. Uh,
3: I'm being told that that's actually Superman.
1: Oh wow! <laughs> oh, that's right. He came from Krypton, right? Yes. So he cannot go back, apparently. As... Kryptonite. I wonder if crypt, crypt, does Kryptonite have any industrial uses. Anybody know?
0: just uh, stopping yeah, superman stopping superman that's pretty industrial <laughs> yes industry is evil alien yeah
3: alien offered kids a ride and a black blimp
0: he said on a bicycle be familiar <laughs> Uh, that sounds pretty movie-like. Yeah, it does.
1: Who would say that in a Reddit session? <laughs> I'm
3: said In a Reddit session, <laughs> it is Reddit. <laughs> these are all trick questions, Keith. Yeah, they, these <laughs> are these are kind of tricky. I didn't write them though, so please don't be mad at me. Next one: An alien forced me into intergalactic servitude.
1: Well, I know scientists who think that we're being bred by the aliens to fight in their wars. So we're, we're, we're galactic cannon fodder, um, but I never saw that. Oh, no, no, no. That sounds like it might be a good movie plot too. Mm-hmm. Sammy, what do you think?
0: Um, I'm gonna say that's a Reddit post. It'll get a lot of uh, good karma.
3: I am told that, oh. that it's Anakin Skywalker.
1: Come on. It looks like a microphone. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, it's not the best picture, but you know. And we got our last one. I became an alien ambassador in
1: a glow golf forest. Glow golf forest. My personal experience with glow golf forest is rather minimal, so... I gotta say that this is something on Reddit.
3: This is actually a movie, and it oh. is... Oh.
0: Oh. We really took this it Alien tournament pretty, pretty broadly here. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was very broad. <laughs> but um,
3: that, that, is the end. that is the end, thank you both for playing. Well, it, what does
1: the winner get? I mean, you know.
0: Uh, I don't think either of us won, so. <laughs> Alpha Centauri, no, but I, I wanna know what I lost. You get to be on the next Bezos flight. Oh. Yeah. Uh, they'll be less careful with that one. <laughs> Thank you, Keith. Mm-hmm. Um So uh, before we finish up, Seth, uh, first of all, I, I know uh, we talked over email about one-liners. Do you have any good space one-liners for us?
1: Uh, no. Uh, actually, I don't. I mean, there isn't <laughs> too much. I mean – there was that movie Space Balls, right? Yeah. yeah. They, you know, they they made some fun out of it. And some of the other movies were laughable, actually. But no one-liners. I mean, no. I, I hate to say one-liners are not my forte. In fact, there are many things that are not my forte. But they are my pianissimo. I no, I I don't have any.
0: Okay, fair enough. Well, where, where, can, we, uh, you know, where can we look at you know, your upcoming works? Anything you want to promote in the future coming up? Well, well, only to say that
1: if you have any interest in uh, what we do to try and find the aliens, you can always go to the website of the SETI Institute. That's mm-hmm. S-E-T-I. It's almost my name. SETI.org. And we also have a uh, radio show and podcast uh, called Big Picture Science.
0: Fantastic. Everybody check that out. We'll put that in the YouTube credits. Um, The last thing I would like to ask you is, as you know, I'm running a campaign for 2036, and uh, I'm pretty confident about it. So I wanted to ask, uh, upon my election, would you be my ambassador to the United Federation of Planets?
1: Yeah. You know where they put that? If you pay attention in Star Trek, they put that in San Francisco here in the Bay Area. And that's a little dumb because... If you expect the United Federation of Planets to last for a long time, I mean, if you only figure it's going to last for two years and it'll all break up, okay. But if you expect it to last for, you know, a century or more than a century for thousands of years, you don't want to put it in the Bay Area. It's going to be knocked down by earthquakes long before, you know, you have to renew the lease.
0: True, true. That is a good point. I am in the Bay Area right now, so fingers crossed that I make it to 2036. Yes. Um, of course, we will re- relocate to Kansas after that, which will be a safe It's state.
1: safer there, yes.
0: Yes. Um, well, thank you so much, Seth. I, I, I can't say enough how much we appreciate you being here and educating us um, and uh, you know, sharing uh, your story, your knowledge. It's very, um, very helpful. And yeah, we appreciate you being here. It's been my pleasure, boys. Yes. My pleasure. Yes. Uh, all right, everybody, give it one more hand for Seth Showstack. Thank you so much, sir. We'll let you know uh, when the episode drops. And let me know. I'll put it on my social media. I have four followers. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, we want to please all four of them. Yes. Uh, Yes. Um, Awesome. One more hand for Seth, everybody. Thank you so much. Now, um, this was a very important episode. I'm glad we did this. You know, Um, my, my, I, I want to make a closing statement here as your future president Uh, Space, it's a lot, Uh, but little by little, I think we can take it down, okay? By 2036, we're going to have to get out there. I mean, out there, okay? If for nothing else to uh, relieve our space junk, if you know what I mean. Um, Which brings me to our space policies in 2036. Number one, no colonizing planets until we clean our house, okay? Our planet is broken. Let's fix it before breaking another, (laughs) because you know we will. Secondly, and really this should be the number one, all Amazon employees will get an 11-minute break to pee in space. (laughs) Guarantee that. Uh, Number three, no billionaires in space allowed. Your ego is big enough. Float around in that uh, unless you pay taxes, which you don't. So no billionaires in space. Number four, any money spent on flying to the edge of space is to be recouped in taxes if you spent millions to see the earth's curvature you have to pay that same amount to uncle sam we got it all right every issue of space solved um and uh just a couple more things you know i went to uc berkeley so let's make it a safe space okay uh every flight to space will serve toast with space jam okay and, uh, we're going to make sure that we create a space for all except Kevin Spacey. Okay. <laughs> uh, unless you want to put that into an algebraic uh, equation, X plus Y, uh, equals Z. Therefore, space X plus Kevin Spacey equals no. All right. So anyways, that's all I have. Thank you so much for joining everybody. We will see you next time on the Obey 2036 podcast and give it up for our resident alien, Ruben, coming all the way (laughs) from the bounds of Planet 420 to join us today. We'll see you next time. I'm just gonna go ahead and cut to the chase. I'm running for president in 2036.